Welcome to Tilt Talk Radio. Today we're going to be talking wheat in our spotlight. We'll take a look at why storms are being more intense. Egg History Minute. We'll talk about county and state fairs. And we'll wrap things up with some cool beans. That's corny and some current events. With me today are Bill Schomburg. Hey, guys. Max Garvey. What's up, everybody? Todd Schomburg. Hey to all the Tilties out there. And I'm Matt Brueger, all with Tilt Agronomy. So we we hit the All-Star break. Brewers are up half game. The All-Star game has happened now. And anybody, anybody surprised that AL won? No. No. It's like nine years in a row. Bill, you love baseball more than the rest. Was like, do you watch home run derby and this? No, I like when I was a kid or even in my young twenties, I did. Like you, that was that was fun. Would, uh, well, does the All Star Game remind you of like having to sort uh, grain in our garage? Yes, because yes, like right, fair. like it was right at the beginning of the fair, and it was like when you had to like you're basically like have a pile of oats in front of you or wheat. And you're knocking out all the bad kernels and putting all the good kernels to one side to keep. And, like, yeah, you just home run just, derby and yep. that. You'd be getting all your well, and it, stuff it's on Mondays. Right. And after college, I played in a softball league in town on Mondays. So I remember going to softball and then coming home and watching home run derby. The last time the NL won the All-Star game, the Astros were in the NL. <laughs> it was, like, 2012? I think it's it was that long, 20, like 10, 10 years. 10 years. Yeah, it's so nine, yeah, nine All-Star games, 10 years, because they skipped one all There was one year they didn't have an All-Star game. Wow. Here here's shows like how much I don't care about the All-Star games. I had no idea it was that lopsided for but that long. This, this is by far, in a way, the best All-Star or pr- like the Pro Bowl NBA All-Star game. True. This is by far, I right. think, the best. Like, I'd rather watch the all-star game in the home run derby well, then well let's be real is baseball's less physical contact and all these guys are worried about injury now which so they don't ruin play. the game as much uh, right. by having so, it so like a football it's not even this they might as well play flag football out there for the pro bowl because it's it isn't the same whereas baseball they can go they're probably still going and there's history there of like guy like pete rose and just giving their all and running over catchers and those kinds of things in all-star games so if you look back at the Pro Bowl, the NFC hasn't won since 2012 either. Ooh. So both, both so the American, the, the N, the A's, side is yes. not doing so well. Of course, that they also had the uh, the ill-fated flag football years where it was like Jerry Rice, Barry Sanders, Michael Irvin as like coaches. Coaches that was and weird. they had their own teams or whatever. But but yeah, the AFC since they started going back to the AFC NFC thing. In 2016, it's been AFC every year. I think that they should bring back when the All-Star game decided who got home field advantage for the World Series. Did you hear if it ended in a tie this last two nights ago? They were going to have a home run derby. Yeah, playoff. To decide the winner of the game if it ended in a tie. That would have been cool. They should do that in a regular season game. Like, way better than putting this guy at second thing, which is cool. I do actually like that one. I like it, too, because it ends the game faster. Way faster, yeah. But, but, um, I mean, a home run derby to end a game, like, who wouldn't want that? Sounds awesome. The biggest problem with the All-Star game is the day after, so Wednesday, 
is legitimately the deadest day of the year in sports. They said it's pretty rough. Besides soccer and one WNBA game, that's all that was on. Yeah, and the soccer game was like Bayern Munich and uh, like Mexico or something like that. I was I watched the highlights this morning. It was not super <laughs> short. Short Sports Center episode. It was pretty. Yeah, it was pretty dry this morning on Sports Center. The two anchors just stared at each other for a while. The old four a.m. Sports Center update is one of my favorites. Um, I that's I've I've cut my teeth on the four a.m. Sports Center nice. watch. So, but yeah, it was pretty dry this morning. But I still like that every team has to have a representative. Some of these teams are so bad. They are, but should they have a representative? But it gives you give one good. Like, play. yeah, remember yeah. you don't remember when the Bre- oh, when the Brewers, Brewers were terrible so and bad. like, oh, we actually get to watch one of our guys there. Oh, they didn't. I mean, they didn't have much there this year. Well, no, but pitchers. It's because two guys didn't want to go. Yeah, I did see Devin Williams pitch. Yeah. And apparently they had a lot of guys mic'd up like during at bats and during catching and like yeah. that's cool. That's cool. I'm all for that. That's yeah. awesome. I think you just hit on the main thing though too is how many more guys just say no now to any of these types of games. Like well, football, it's fifty percent of the right. guys that get picked. I think baseball's pretty good. I think some of the deal with the Brewers guys is it was guys that were tired. And they did but not these guys need, need. They needed a break. Yeah, not not a go well, play in the. Well, Hater, they said the last three years he's had a July swoon, and it's like he just gets tired, and then he needs a break, and then he just gives her after. And we pitched the crap out of him too. Yeah, and right. he's been he got shelled the other night pretty good. I think. I think he just is. He just needs to be done for a little while and figure some things out. And he does. He does it every year. So. Right. But. And his wife just had a baby, and it sounded like it was wasn't a. Smooth pregnancy delivery, all that. So I'm sure he wants to spend time with them too. So yeah, but on the bright side, I think on an episode this spring, I like eviscerated Devin Williams and gave him a bunch of crap about how he was not good anymore and he broke his hand and what an idiot and all that stuff. He's really done a good job redeeming himself because he's been nails this year. So it's opposite Max Stradamus. Yeah. Well, when he came out and started at the beginning of the year, he was pretty rough. Yeah. If you took away his first, I think it was his first five appearances, his ERA goes down to like .97 or something like that. Nice. And it's right now it's like two and a half. So he got he got worked early in the season, but he's been really good. He's He's been awesome. So nice having a great setup man and a great closer. It's pretty. You feel like if you're winning in the sixth inning, like there's very few chances that you're going to lose. Right. We just got to score more runs than two. We lead the league. Thanks, John Mid. We lead the yeah. we lead the NL in home runs, though. I know, but it's boom or bust, then, right? <laughs> right, it's all or nothing. Well, it's the night. It's the night that we won one game. One night it was nineteen to one or whatever, and I think they hit eight home runs or something. Well, right. it's kind of cheating. Stop cheating. But in other news, it's fair week. Let's go best week of the year. I think everybody here has been in down to the fair at least once this week, so. Yep, tractor pulls last night. My fa- my favorite night at the fair. Oh, there's tra- it, tractor pulls again tonight, too. So last night was farm, which is my favorite. I like the farm. Tonight's the pro, and the pro's fun. Uh, but the farm ones, I like seeing the 75-year-old dude with his old Oliver Super 77 and coming out there and just letting her eat. What, How late did they go? Yeah. 
I don't know. It had to been almost ten o'clock. Oh, I well, that's not that. Yeah, Probably usually after they'll go till like one, two in the morning. Yeah, no, it wasn't that long. I had a yeah. farmer tell me a couple of years ago he didn't get home till three. Wow. I don't think they went that late. I didn't stay for the whole thing. Just in time for the morning milking. Yeah. Right. I didn't stay for the whole thing, but it was it's fun. I mean, it's I like the. I I was trying to tell tell my wife a little bit. I was like, there's basically two classes of people that pull on farm pole night. One is the old dude who's got his pride and joy that he bought brand new in the 70s and he still runs it the other is the kid who worked like a dog all day busted his hump so he could get out of work early on the farm and steal the mixer tractor and he's <laughs> gonna pull it tonight in old 866 or something like that and uh and hopefully not blow it up so that he well you know mix in the morning little oil coming through the hood is nothing wrong with that all right You guys ready to get into our topic for today? Yeah. Ready. All right. So let's talk some wheat. It's some, some of it's finally coming off the field. A little bit more will be coming off probably this weekend, early next week. So after a good harvest, what are our options moving forward? So some considerations for that. Max, what do you got for us? All right. Yeah, like Matt said, we, we started a little bit, but I think today, I mean, they're talking pretty much straight sun and 90 degrees. We're going to... We're going to get some wheat off now. Um, so then we gotta got to make some decisions. So I guess we got to decide what we want to do with our wheat after. We can't just let it sit there and do nothing, right? So the first option or the first probably the most popular topic is getting some kind of cover crop in there. Um, and the, you can't just say, oh, we're just going to throw something out there, right? There's, you should put some thought into it. Um, wheat is the spot like that you got to put the most thought because you, you got actual growing season left right you can grow pretty much anything after yes. wheat so like this is the one where i feel like when guys get all confused on late fall of do i want you know all these mixes and what should i do after corn silage it's like no just you're overthinking that part and way underthinking the wheat. Like the yeah. wheat when you is, get to October, it's only rye yeah, or triticale right, right, or, or, or wheat, like in right. September. You know, yeah. you got some small grains and wheat, and For, you, you can use some of those as cover. But after wheat, like we've got, you know, especially the way this year's looking, there's guys talking about putting some early soybeans, you know, or late soybeans, very late soybeans in. Like, look at they're they're even trying to get a real crop off. Like, there's time here to to do a lot of things. So that guy who's hesitant about starting cover crops because or one of his big hesitations is having to terminate in the next spring and what are we going to have to deal with? If you plant cover crops after wheat, you have enough options that you could have nothing that overwinters and still do a really good job. Except your volunteer winter wheat. Well, right. But I'm saying you'd have that anyway. You you have it anyway. And there's a good part is how many do a fall burn down on wheat or a spring burn. Like you have that herbicide. We're going to get there anyway. So gosh. All right, I won't jump at the gun. But yes, you you, you, you know, can. You, when, you, when your only option is rye, you're creating a problem for yourself next spring. I don't want to say a problem. That's not the way to put it. But you're creating another another yeah, obstacle, another I guess, where right now you could plant clover, radishes, turnips, and okay, it's fine. It'll be all gone next spring and move on with our life. I had a good warm and fuzzy on Tuesday with a grower that he did just that. Like He's never planted cover crafts before, took off wheat last year, and he planted radishes oats and a little bit of peas and just let it go in the spring he's like we were talking yesterday or tuesday about it he's like that ground was the mellowest ground on the farm like we're yep. doing that again like that was the awesomest thing i did last year well he's not gonna be planting peas this year i don't think because 
There are not very many peas around. They're pretty hard to come by. He well, actually wants to plant more peas. Oh, good, good luck. Has <laughs> he got them right out of here? I doubt it. Yeah. yeah, no, it's... we. I just had this conversation with a guy about doing peas. Yeah. And, yeah. That's it was not point. a good conversation. This year's, the special years, don't... Like, this is like, oh, we'll get our grocery list of what we want to plant. No, go... Go find See out what what's you even get. Get, yeah. what you can get and then work your way back. Because you're right. Like, we had all these great plans of, oh, we'll add this and this will be cool to add to the mix. And either the price was too high or you can't get it. Well, Pe- peas are hard to come by. And when you find them, they're really expensive, like double or triple what they normally are. Right. So peas have been a little little tough on that one. But um, anyway, so with your covers, you got to decide, you know, we have a ton of time. So that's not really a huge one um, to worry about. Uh, are you in a program that you need to follow certain qualifications to make it work? Yeah, like seating rates. Seating rates. Uh, you have Time to have rate. something that overwinters. You have to have three species. You have to, all that kind of stuff. Um, what's your goal with the cover crop? Is it just to, because you want covers? Is it to fix nitrogen? Is it to protect from erosion? What What are your goals? And Because that really does change kind of what we do a, a little bit. Um, if our goal is to, or to fix nitrogen, we're probably not going to plant a rye and rye oats cover crop, right? We're going to go clovers or radishes, maybe a little bit more there. So, and then your last thing to really consider is how are you going to get this planted? So, are you going to just go out there with a drill, no-till it? Are you going to work the whole field and plant it? Are you going to, you know, I've seen guys fly helicopters over and plant cover crops. Um, are you going to have the you know, co-op come out with a buggy and broadcast it on and then maybe leave it or are you going to work, you know, do a little light tillage, work it in? What do you, what do you want to do? And Todd distracted me. Um, did you say what your next crop is? Oh, that's an important part of the decision making process too, is what are you planting into this ground afterwards? Yeah. That goes hand in hand with like, I guess with your goal, what your goal would be is, you know, if you're going to plant corn next year, you probably want to do some kind of nitrogen capture fixer. So, um, yeah, think about what your crop is next year. I'd hope everyone would consider, as dry as it is, that everyone would consider first no-tilling, right? I mean, there's other things that go into that, like if you're going to put manure on it or whatever, but I would hope you wouldn't work a wheat field just, right. no reason just to dry to it plant out. it. No reason to dry it Unless you had roots or you would hope. from spring or whatever. You would hope. And I would hope you're not, yeah. They'd have to be spring ruts because you're probably not going to get ruts right now. No. Um. And then we'll go to our next big kind of puzzle piece here is uh, manure, right? So any of those, these dairy guys that got to get manure out, we love getting it out on wheat ground because it's the middle of summer. We can haul it. It's great. Um, so the first thing is how many gallons do you want to put out there? You know, if you want to try and get an alfalfa crop in, um, you know, you if you put on, you can put on 20,000 gallons, but that delays your alfalfa planting a little bit because you just put a t- bunch of water out there, right? So... I guess that's something to keep in mind. I mean, 20,000 gallons and it, it's 90 degrees, it's going to dry up pretty quick, but consider it, I guess, as we get later. I mean, wheat harvest, we're saying, is getting going right now. Well, it's, you know, it's July 21st or not not super early. So keep that in mind. Um, how do you want to spread it? Do you want to just top dress it? Do you want to work it in? I mean, what are you, are you going to go five shank in a splash pan? Is that your your plan are you going to go you know semis and then come back with a chisel plow and chisel it all in you know all that kind of stuff you got to make sure you think about and what what your next move is after that um 
And then uh, the one the one big thing I want to make sure I got got out there is that this is my personal favorite place to get rid of solids. Um, I love putting solids on wheat fields because you got a long season for them to break down versus trying to haul them in the spring or late in the fall. You have a ton of time now. Getting to the solids can be difficult. I get it. so, but um, we talked. I talked to a couple growers this week. Is we just took off third crop, or we're taking off third crop right now. Suck all the water off the top. Haul the solids out right yeah, away. Take your your real liquid. Yeah, like your pit, your settling pit. Yep. All the liquids off. You might have to pump some of the liquids to another pit, and then start pulling solids. That's actually a really good plan, Max. I but, like that. But you should have a ton of acres if you wanted to to haul on right now because hay should be. Third crop should be dropping here pretty quick. I got some down already. So yep, saw some laying just yesterday. So, I mean, that, that opens up a big, you know, you, you say, oh, we want to haul solids on our wheat, but we got to get some liquid out. Well, we only grow 40 acres of wheat or 80 acres of wheat. We can't get it all out. Well, you grow 80 acres of wheat, you got 400 acres of hay that's open right now. Like, that gives you some options. So, just watch the uh, late summer manure restrictions, right? Um, all these things, yes, yep. we're watching. This is the the prime time of why that's in there, you know, and the rule is for after wheat because we still got so much growing season left that that's why cover crop's such a good match for it, too, is yep. putting putting something out there that can hang on to that manure. And Todd, and you were in the nuts and bolts of that decision a handful of years ago on the the one, the one 590 committee, so... Right, and they, we had a lot of discussions on what, you know, when... When does it technically, when is late summer? Like, that was part of the discussion. You know, when does that start? How, how, how do, when does it switch to sort of fall? And no, really after wheat was kind of when late summer started and, and why, you know, that whole thing changes and make sure you're watching your, you know, your P permeable soils and your W soils um, and R soils too, but make sure you're watching those restriction maps a lot right now for, for what you got to be doing come this this late summer time period and the great thing about this time is you you have the option of you can plant your cover crop then do manure you can do manure then cover crop i mean you have time to do either way and you know depending on your goals and and capabilities that could make a big difference broadcast cover crop ldma manure application that's my that's my that's what we're doing right now right that's my pick so then you can get your, you keep your, kind of your no-till kind of formula, you get in your cover crop planted right away, and then you use that manure application to maybe get a little incorporation on that seed, and I think that's a, that's a decent way to try and go about it. So, um, Then uh, we talked about it a little bit, touched on it shortly, alfalfa, right? Love fall seeding alfalfa, putting it in after wheat. Um, I like alfalfa in the ground before August 15th. If I can help it at all, I think that's a must. More than guys realize, like they say, "Well, you know, when did it not work?" And the your just chances of getting hitting the right rains sometimes when you get past August thirty first and get it to grow enough, if changes a lot. Whereas like the fifteenth, and we'll have enough time to do that, like to get manure on, get everything right, get it in by August fifteenth. Like I, that's a, a struggle I always have is like I don't know why this is even like a problem. Like just get it in there by then like just it's fair week well and i you got other stuff going <laughs> but on like, it's the 21st of yeah. july yeah. just august 15th is still now that august 15th date i do think is you don't have to go very far south of here and that date moves quite a bit it can change but i would also say south of here i still have a better chance of getting but it in they also get wheat off earlier, earlier too right. yeah, so like it right. should be even less of a problem but i think you get down to like 
Fond du Lac area, and I think that date kind of moves no, back to like to the twentieth. You could, but but almost I don't want to say but why, but that's what I'm saying. Like just, realistically, why there's no right. there's really not a reason for no it. reason to wait. Yeah. Um, and then I I guess this is a question: Do you like to plant your alfalfa fall seeded with or without grass? Like if you're gonna if they're a farm that likes grass in their alfalfa, would you rather plant alfalfa and put grass in next summer? Or would you like to just do it all at once? No opinion, man. Oh, I, I, I have know. I have an opinion. I am I am on the forefront of get your alfalfa established, and we'll worry about the grass another time. Because I right now, I mean, we're gonna go into the better grass growing season than alfalfa growing season here pretty quick, and you really want to get that alfalfa established. You don't want to establish grass with some alfalfa, and you want to establish. Yeah, alfalfa. and I would I would actually. I don't have any guys that we do that, and it is probably why. I mean, we got some that have grass with alfalfa for sure, but in the fall seeding part, you need to spray out your wheat most of the time. Not always. Sometimes it's not as bad, but if you got those windrows of wheat come back, you're going to need the select to kill that. If you so got grass in with it, you can't do it. The so. other option too, Max, is kind of piggybacking off Todd's is like we plant lawns and grass like into September. So why don't you get your alfalfa in? by the 15th get your winter wheat sprayed off and then if the ground is still fit you could still go put out grass. your grass at that point into september you know and then they're both there i'm just not a i'm not a plant them together in in fall seeding i don't like you can't you can't spray out your wheat i i get nervous about the grass having better growing conditions than the alfalfa and the alfalfa not getting a chance to right. do its thing so um something to consider and then no till versus conventional tillage i think i think this is an area where you know we talk about hey if you can leave your wheat fields alone because they're already dry i think when it comes to alfalfa i'm a little bit i lean towards the tillage side i like it it seems to establish better and you want your alfalfa when you plant it you want it perfect you want every bump gone you want level you want the whole right the i think whole to nine. get it level and that's a must, not a must, but if, if you don't it's not, have it's it not a must. I've seen perfect uh, right. looking stands coming out of a no-till situation, so you can right. do it. It's yeah. just know your know your what, situation. Look at the field and say, okay, is this good enough to no-till? And if it's not, what I worry about is actually on the tillage side is getting too much oxygen in that soil. Like it gets too fluffy yep. at this time of year, and we can't seem with rollers, with you know, with crushers, anything. We can't seem to sort of get that back and right just let it get rained on once well right exactly so so that just doesn't happen in august so that is one worry i always have is just even be careful with just getting it too pulverized into fine powder is is too much um so that is a tricky part with tillage is getting used to you know what has worked for you in the past on the farm and just finding ways just not to fluff it so bad that you can't sort of get that seed to soil contact you need and then our tillage conversation, we've we've now touched that one a couple of times, but um, this is probably the driest conditions and the best tillage conditions you're going to get for a year. If you really want to chisel plow something, you really think it needs it, this is when it's going to be done the best, right? So when we get into the fall, like... Max did air quotes, which was good. You can't see that on air, but like that is a good way to say it. It's like the best in air quotes. Well, you know what it's like trying to chisel plow in November. It's wet, and we end up doing more damage than we did good. So if you really want to chisel plow, and you really think it's necessary, this is the best time to do it. 
this is when it's dry. You're going to get the fracturing you need. You're not going to make these big ruts. You're, you should keep compaction down more than if it was wet. And Maybe that's the better point, Max, is the fracturing. Maybe we're just subsoiling or correct. we're doing the slot, the slot subsoiling, not the explosion of the surface that gets rid of all that moisture that is there. And, and the other thing is you have lots of time to get the job done right now. Right. So we, I, I see it every fall. The, hey, we took corn off really late. It's going to freeze. We've got to get this work before it freezes. And we do a very poor job because we're just trying to get acres done. And, and you don't have to do that. We have it's, – it's, it's, you know, July 21st. You, can, you have till September 15th when we start taking off corn silage with nothing going on in, in the middle here kind of. So – Take your time. Do it right. Um, tiling, that's a no. Nah, I don't think we need to really hit that one too hard. Everybody likes to tile in the summer because it's easier. So some of these wheat fields were planted specifically for that. For tiling, correct. Is, okay, we're going to tile this, and we'll have time. So, so yeah. Question there: cover crop or not? If you're tiling, uh, and ooh. and what even works? I I've been in general lately leading towards just. Not you know just let's not worry about cover crop. Worry about the tile part. This is a different. But well, and you're going to have a much better cover crop going forward if you have good tile and you, good, drainage. good drainage. But but yeah, I just to me that one was one where it was like, no, I mean you just worry about getting the tile in done. I had it one year where they did do a cover crop and it was huge, and then it it got it just got in the way. But yeah, that was a struggle of like, well, what cover crop if I tile and. The best I could think of is if, and I I love chaff spreaders on where it's spreading out the the actual chaff and then you get your wheat spread out the actual seeds that pass by spread out spread out more yeah and then that kind of is your cover crop mm-hmm. instead of having it if you don't have a chaff spreader and it's just in that wind roll yep it gets real thick but yeah any way you can do that of like having your wheat be part of the cover crop is is like is just works so much better. I think uh, with to go with your cover crop with a tiling kind of scenario is you got to remember you're probably going to use some pretty aggressive tillage after this tiling is done to get those tile lines worked in and even even in the next spring. So if that changes your mind about doing a cover crop, you say, hey, we're going to work it pretty aggressively anyway, so we might as well just skip it, I guess. That's something to consider because um, I, I, tile lines aren't a thing where you can go, oh, we can just no-till around that, right? I mean, those I, are... <laughs> Those are something you have to deal with. You don't really get a choice. So, um, and then uh, termination. Make sure we have a plan. Um, if we have regrowth, that we we have a plan on whether or not we want to terminate, um, how we're going to terminate, why we're terminating if we need to. Um, you know, if we're if we uh, if we plan on you know putting in a cover crop, well, then maybe we don't need to worry about terminating. But well, you still do. It's terminating the cover crop, depending on what you well, put in the cover crop. Sorry, if we're putting in a cover crop, we maybe don't need to worry about terminating the wheat. We just say, eh, that can be part of the part yeah. Of the mix. Still, that thick windrow might give you more than what you bargained for, depending on like Todd said. If you got the chaff spreader and you can get it out more even, then yeah, I think leave it. Well, for sure. I go out behind all the guys I work with. I go out behind their combines with a broom and I just kind of spread the windrow <laughs> so it's even. You're dedicated. It's called full service agronomy. Um, no, I get what you're saying. We'll, we'll do a video on that. One. Yeah, <laughs> me out there with my little broom, just kind of. Can you imagine how long that would she, take? Oh my she god! Get a leaf blower. There you go. There you go. Leaf blower. Maybe I'll maybe I'll have to invest this year for my my uh, wheat spreading services. 
Um, so just have a termination plan. You could leave it. You can terminate. It's kind of a up to you I, deal and what we got to do next. But have a plan. Be prepared for it. Don't wait October and go, wow, that got really big. Now what? I agree with you, Max. Is the termination plan is part of the whole plan going in. And I, I feel like we do. It's like, oh, that's a problem for me in April of next year. Like, let, let April Todd figure that Future out. Future me will take yes. care of this. April and, Todd is going to hate yeah, August right. Todd. And so if you don't have a plan of that, it, and, and a lot of times when you're planting them, you're like, ah, we'll just, we'll figure it out then. And it'll just round up and it'll be done. Well, no, if you don't kind of, like you said, just have a plan, know what you're going to do. And then. Is how well does Roundup perform at like 30 degrees? Yeah. Subpar. <clears throat> subpar. That's at, a really nice best. way to put it, Bill. Subpar. Yes. <laughs> so. Um, All right. Thanks, Max. Yep. Now we'll move into our spotlight after we've covered some options for you for wheat. All right, our spotlight for today, an Iowa State climatologist says storms are becoming more intense and sporadic. I know we've seen this year, not necessarily in our state as much, but uh, some other states. We were just talking before we recorded about the hail that areas have been getting repeatedly, both in Canada and the U.S. Um, In Iowa, same kind of thing. They're seeing different kinds of storms. So storms in Iowa have been striking smaller areas with higher amounts of rain, as we've experienced warming, which has led to significant disparities in the soil moisture available for crops, according to Justin Gilson, or Glisson, sorry, the state climatologist. Pockets of very high rainfall. Their temperatures are 1.3 degrees above what they used to be, between two-tenths and half a degree increases happened in the last decade. And that's led to more available moisture in the air, according to Glisson. Every degree increase results in about 4% more water vapor. So, said rainfalls used to follow a more predictable pattern. Now, they, with this change in weather, you're seeing heavier storms striking smaller areas, increasing potential for certain areas to get large amounts of rain and others to get far less. For example, in 2018, southeast Iowa had significant drought, while the northern third of the state was uh, the wettest year on record. So the the thousand foot view here is just think how many times in the last four years you've learned new weather terms, like new thing you've never heard of, and it's just yep. a major weather event, or you've heard in a meteorologist say, expect or we had a hundred year storm, having four hundred year storms in a year. They don't really mean they're 100-year storms anymore, does it? Right. They're every-year storms. Right. In the article here, they've got a picture of the drought monitor for Iowa. And, yeah, looks like northwest Iowa is dry and part of the southeast. And then central Iowa is not even considered part of the drought monitor. And there's no, no worries there at all. So... Just and that's I was not a big state. I mean, it really isn't when it comes to. It's bigger than Rhode Island, but it's bigger than Rhode Island. Yes, it is bigger than Rhode Island. I think every state can say that, except for maybe Vermont. No, Rhode Island is the smallest. You don't realize how square or rectangle the counties in every Iowa are. one of them, right? But they're kind of janky in some spots too, where they just like 
Right, Somebody was drawing the line and then just like, kind of like skipped yeah, it. Yeah, he's like, oh, oh now I got to do it every time yeah, I go right. across this way. Because, yeah, you look, it's all <laughs> all in a line. So It's like, oh, we're just going to move this border a little bit. Yeah, apparently, it. they started in the north, started drinking yep. about a third of the way I, through the state. There is a, a river along one side that they had to <laughs> compensate for, but you you would have thought they would have just made yeah. certain ones like at a, at a complete angle. Yeah. Not down and then they drank over. for the middle third and then like the last third they started to sober up a little bit, yeah. get a little better. Yeah, yeah. No, so that you know, I I don't think I was alone in experiencing some different different types of weather, different severities of weather. I mean, just this year, uh, a couple months ago in northern Wisconsin, we had a couple spots that got intense, like five to ten inch rains. Yep, we had down. South by Berlin just had a, a pretty intense five-inch rain. Uh, Watertown had a pretty good... Sh- I mean, it was four inches, but it came in about 20 minutes, so it wasn't really... Watertown shouldn't count. Then there's, there's a name. There's a reason. Water, yeah, water's <laughs> in the name. I'm sure it got... Yeah, what about the... A hotbed. Uh, squall? Squall. squall this winter? You guys remember the yep, squall? Yeah, squalls, yeah. It was right around... Yeah. It was, a night, it was my rehearsal there yeah, for my wedding. wedding squall. <laughs> I'd never heard of one before, and then we had two of them. Yeah. They, they were both pretty wild. Yeah, We had that band of, even though it wasn't all at once, heavy rain, uh, like from Wapan through like Denmark, got six inches of rain in a week. I mean, yep. yeah, so you, and around it, it was, in some cases, significantly less. There's areas that since those five inches of rain earlier this spring, they haven't seen a lot of of rain, so yeah. We live, we live, we live right here. I don't know when we've had significant. It was supposed to pour on Friday, yeah. And I think we got a couple well, tens. The way maybe we, the the line that this red that I liked is, is we'll experience drier dries and wetter wets, which I think is a fun. Like it's either wet or dry, but like they're saying it's in no certain more spots, middle ground. Yeah, it's like going to be just kind of an all or nothing, right? Which is ironic because then you know we've had I think just this year at least two that I can think of slow all day like rains. But, you know, that was our area. Doesn't mean other areas got the same thing. So, yeah. The the real issue here is if you get half of each, you get a super wet spring that drowns out areas and then all your high grounds left and then you get a drought and at, you to it. end the year and then you you kill off the high ground. I mean, that's kind of the, that's where that's where you really run into issues. But, which I actually do see a little bit right now in a couple areas. We kind of had that pattern this year and it's showing up pretty good right now with the 95 degrees and no rain. All right, so there's our spotlight. Now we'll move into the Ag History Minute. I love that banjo. All right, county and state fairs. Really fits the music, too. Originally set up on major trade routes, county and state fairs began as a venue where people could display their crafts and skills or and sell or trade produce or other items. Fairs combined socialization and amusement, but offered a more serious side of learning and selling. America's first fairs were promoted by King George II in 1745 in Trenton Township, New Jersey, for the buying and selling of livestock and other products. Fairs held in October, April and October continued for five years till they were banned by the legislature. Beginning in 1858, fairs were only held on sporadic basis and in various locations within Trenton Township. After the Interstate Fair Association was formed in 1888, land was purchased in Trenton to establish a permanent home for the Interstate Fair. 1798, 
Descendants of the Umberfield family, the first settlers in the town of Burton, Ohio, held what they called a jollification, later known as a fair. 25 years later, the jollification was taken up by Goga County, Ohio. Farmers, they got lots of interesting ones in Ohio. Chillicothe is there, too. Uh, Farmers joined together in 1823 to form the Goga County Agricultural and Manufacturing Society. Members organized the county fair to show the progress in agriculture products and farmer-related labor, saving tools and machines. Individuals brought produce from their harvest to show and share as activities and exhibits began to reflect wider interests and were no longer limited strictly to agricultural-related endeavors. More people attended the fairs. Backbone of the fairs, competitions between gardeners, cooks, quilters, and seamstresses has always remained a big draw to the fair events. Other competitions include livestock, crops, rodeos, corn husking by hand, pie-eating contests, and prizes were given for best exhibits and to event winners. I know here in Seymour we've had a fair for a long time. You guys remember what year the the fair started? I don't, but I bet you do, Matt. I, or you looked it up. I have to look it up because I think it's like 1858. I think it was like 10 years after we became a state. But We wouldn't have been able to invent the hamburger. 1885. 1885. Oh, so I, I think I had my numbers <laughs> mixed up a little bit. I said 58 and it was 85. So I had the right numbers, just in the wrong order. 1885. That'd I wonder how much it was f- to get into the fair that year. That'd be one of the first fairs then that Hamburger Charlie invented the hamburger. I swear, like it goes back. Okay, to, like, 18, you know what? This is slanderous. Hamburger Charlie. Never mind. I'm not. We're not doing this. <laughs> Charles Negreen. We're not doing this. We're not doing also the hamburger known debate. As hamburger Charlie. But do you think it was called the Seymour Jollification? At yes. That point? Or Outagamey Jollification? Because I hope so. that is the best term. I've never. Can heard we that, go back and to Jollification? Be, we should. Yes. Hey, y'all coming to the jollification? <laughs> you guys want to go down and see the tractor pulls at the jollification tonight or what? <laughs> yeah, bring there, that up to a farm today. And there's a lot of seamstresses. Hey, kids. Having competitions there. You guys want to get jollified? <laughs> Come on down to the jollification. Nobody would know what the hell <laughs> yeah. you're talking about. Nope, they would all be very confused. I was like the fairest of the fair. It just goes nice. So if it was the, the jolliest of the jollification. The jolliest of the jollification. Jinx. <laughs> I do like the jobs. That's funny. <laughs> That's good. Do you think they had a tilt a whirl in 1885? Oh. I think they probably had something far more dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> they had a running gear that they hooked horses to. Yeah, it, was, it had to be animal powered if it, if it moved. Or a sawmill demonstration. Yeah. Log rolling on the sawmill. I, well, it says it talks in those early fairs about how they had like cooking competitions and like quilts and like they still do that kind of stuff. I don't think they had, you know, uh, protractor poles and elephant ears. I don't think those were at the Trenton Fair in 1858. Maybe, I mean, elephant ear, I guess I could see, maybe. Just some bread dough fried in lard. Yeah, they they probably had some sort of fair food. It wasn't the stick of butter deep fried by any means, but I'm sure they had some sort of... No deep fried Oreos. Just a hamburger, hamburger, hamburger hot, right? They were just smashing meatballs. Well, they were just smashing meatballs, yeah. Between two two slices of bread. Nobody had seen the wedding singer. They didn't know you could just take a handful <laughs> yeah. of meatballs. So Charles <laughs> Green had to smash them between a couple pieces of bread, throw some onion on there, call it a day. Yeah. 
All right. Thank you to all our listeners out there. And if you love the fair like us, you should subscribe to the podcast and also tell all your farmer friends about it. That's all we ask is you just tell them about what a podcast is and then how to download it on your Apple phone. So on your iPhone, go to Apple Podcasts. And on an Android phone, go to Podcast Addict, Podbean, or Player FM. Search Tilt Talk Radio and right there to subscribe. We're also now available on Amazon Music, which is great because you can have your smart speaker play us. It is very complicated. You say, Alexa, play Tilt Talk Radio, and it will not work the first time. And after you say it a couple times, it might work. Um, You can also listen to us on your computer or smartphone browser. You go to tiltegg.com slash podcast please follow us on facebook and twitter at tilth talk radio i'm gonna have to have a talk with basil about that yeah, not working no, on the first definitely try like yeah we know blue origin works get back to refining alexa now come on let's go bezos all right now we'll wrap things up with some cool beans that's corny and current events so cool beans cool beans cool beans cool beans cool beans all right our cool beans this week Grasslands enrollment in Conservation Reserve acres reach 7 million acres. So the Agriculture Department said it would enroll more than 3.1 million acres of grassland, the largest amount ever in the Conservation Reserve Program, or CRP, this fall underlining the transformation of the reserve into working lands program. CRP was created in 1985 during an agricultural recession as a cropland retirement program. New enrollments will be part of 7 million acres that entered the grassland option, meaning to preserve grassland, grazing lands. Some 8 million acres of conservation reserve entered under the so-called continuous enrollment for high-priority projects, such as windbreaks, filter strips, on relatively small tracks. So, maintaining grazing land, not, you know, we do some grazing here, but bigger in other, other states... Uh, where they do a lot of a lot of cattle cattle grazing in the south, but uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. I uh, we we talked about this I think one other time about how it's okay for some of this stuff to go to grassland because there is some farmland that probably shouldn't be shouldn't farmland. Be farm, yeah. yep. And I, I like that we're kind that there's more than just us who have come to that conclusion. You know that it's it's okay to let that five acres go that hasn't produced over 40 bushel corn in 100 years, it's okay. That can be grassland. Well, and they're, they're coming out with more programs now, too, of like harvestable buffers and things where you can still get a crop off it if you have animals to feed. Um, so there's they're, they're better about recognizing that sometimes we need to be able to, to handle some of these lands. When you talk about getting in the droughts like we are right yep. now, I mean, there's a lot of ditch feed going down in places of the country right now, and that's okay. Yep. But... There's a lot of years where some of this stuff just isn't worth having. So Right. All right. And our That's Corny this week. The unrelenting heat brings pollination concerns. So extreme ag farmers, Kelly Garrett and Kevin Matthews, focus on keeping disease, heat, and dry weather from causing yield loss in the second half of the growing season. They are out of Iowa. And I think, you know, We've all kind of had that conversation. We know heat, you know, we've talked GDUs all year. It's great. Gets the corn growing. Helps some stuff catch up when we had that hot, cold cycle we were kind of going through this spring. 
But uh, when it gets to pollination, which we're close to, we started to see some tassels really pushing out this week, or some tassels for you folks who prefer that nomenclature. Looking at you, John. Uh, <clears throat> Plus 65 crowd. Yep. The, the pollination phase, we need that you know rest at night. We need some, some cooler nights, so we don't want the heat and humidity to run all through the night. That can really mess up pollination and just something we don't want to see when we've gotten the corn this far. So these farmers in Iowa have talked about, yeah, they're, they're just starting to pollinate. They're looking at the next few weeks and concerns about that hot, dry weather. You know, having some cool nights usually gets us some dews and helps keep a little bit of moisture there. Uh, it'd be nice to see some moisture as well as maybe some slightly cooler temperatures. It doesn't have to be cold, cold, but... A 62 overnight wouldn't be the end of the world. No. Not by any means. So let's hope that we get good pollination. And that'll do it for this week. So thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for having us, Matt. This week we talked wheat and what your options are once the wheat is off. Some things to consider for that land is cover crops, manure, fall seeded alfalfa, getting some tillage done or putting in some tile. In our spotlight, we talked about how storms are becoming more intense and sporadic. Egg History Minute, we covered county and state fairs. And Cool Beans this week was getting grasslands enrolled and CRPs reached their goal. And that's corny was the high heat potentially bringing on pollination issues. So thanks for listening. And as always, happy farming.